0: You are listening to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, episode number 171.
1: Welcome to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, where you will learn brand new and shockingly different tools to lose weight for the last time. And now, here's your host, certified life and weight loss coach, Laura Conley.
0: Hello, Yummy Mummies. Welcome to the pod. I am so excited as I am like literally every time I record this podcast, but we are starting a series on what is a good mom. And to kick that off, we have the parenting coach, Pam Howard, author of Less Drama, More Mama here to answer all of the questions and talk to us about what really makes a good mom. So, welcome to the podcast, Pam. I'm so happy you're here. Give us a little intro about who you are, where you are, what you do, and then we'll dive in. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be
1: here, too. So, I'm Pam Howard. I'm in South Florida. And I, first and foremost, am a mom of two amazing teenagers. They're 14 and 18, both girls. And I'm a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Florida. I'm a master parenting coach. I have my certification through the Life Coach School, like you. And I was a former school counselor for kids in K through eighth grade. So I have a lot of experience with families and kids and moms, and it's amazing.
0: Tell us a little bit about your, you wrote a book, which is so exciting. I want to do that one day. Just give us kind of like an overview of your book, and then we're going to dive into the book and some of the tips. Okay. So the book
1: is called Less Drama, More Mama, which is the same title as my business name, my podcast. It's all the same. And the way that I structured the book is I came up with nine of the most common lies I think that moms believe that sabotage their success in parenting. And then for each of the lies, I came up with a corresponding truth to that lie. And so each of the chapters is a truth.
0: So good. Okay. So let's dive into some of the lies and the corresponding truths. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but before we hit record, you guys, we went through them and I was like ooing and eyeing and moaning over each and every <laughs> single one of the lies slash truth. So let's start from the top. We talked about this truth that it's supposed to be hard. So can you just dive right in and expand upon that a little bit? Yeah. So the chapter is called
1: parenting is supposed to feel hard. I don't know where we have this idea that it's supposed to be easy. I mean, I guess before I had kids, I thought it was going to be easier than it, than it was, or I at least thought I'm going to do it better than my parents did. And I. Mm was working with teenagers at the time as a social worker, and I was really doing well at my job. And I thought, hey, I can do this. Like, this is going to be great. And I've always wanted to be a mom. And Mm -hmm. so I just have that motherly instinct. And anyway, we find out that it's not easy. And it actually is supposed to be that way. I know you've talked about Mm -hmm. with your audience, the idea that life is 50-50, right? We have 50% positive emotions, 50% negative emotions. And it's supposed to be that way because without those negative emotions, you wouldn't even know what the positive emotions are. So without mm. grief, you wouldn't know love. Without insecurity, you wouldn't know security. So all of those feelings are there for a purpose. And the people who overcome the most difficult things in life are the people who grow the most who have learned the lessons in life that enable them to become a better version of themselves. And I think that's so true with parenting. Like our kids bring up all of our stuff, all of our issues, all of our fears and insecurities and all of that. And it's supposed to be that way so that we can learn and grow through it. Now that's one part of the chapter, but then there's the other part of the chapter, which is our kids' lives are supposed to be 50 too. Oh,
0: I love that. And
1: that's really hard for a lot of parents to accept. We all just say we we just want our kids to be happy.
0: But really? Yeah. Glennon Doyle talks about this a lot. She's like, do we want them to be happy? Because if they're just happy all the time, then they don't learn to be resilient. That's right. Then they don't learn strength and they don't learn grit. Right. And it's like then if they're just happy all the time, they're going to be like the weakest Probably yeah. most unsuccessful adults, and I don't just mean success in career, success in relationships, which is kind of the most important. So I, I think that that's it's so good to just kind of air out and be like, no, it's supposed to be hard. And what I also wanted to say at the beginning, which I totally forgot to, is like, if you're not a mom or a parent of a human, this mm-hmm. episode totally applies because these principles apply to weight mm-hmm. loss and they apply to life. It's the same thing with life. It's the same thing with weight loss. It's supposed to be hard some of the time. And I think when we accept that truth, it actually gets easier. Like when we fully accept and surrender so much easier because we're not fighting with this idea that it's supposed to be easy. We're just like, oh, duh, this is supposed to be hard. Exactly. It's so hard to accept
1: that our kids are not going to feel happy all of the time. And so we need to be okay with feeling that discomfort when our kids are feeling
0: uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, how do we do
0: that? Talk to us about that.
1: Well, it's about accepting that we're gonna feel uncomfortable 50% of the time and then learning how to process through those emotions, those negative emotions that we have mm-hmm. and not pushing them away, not escaping them by going to eat a pint Mm -hmm. of ice cream or whatever, but just really sitting with them and processing them through and getting ourselves to a place where we can feel better so that then we can be there for our kids in a better way, in a more supportive way. Because when they're freaking out about something, the last thing they need is for us to be freaking out too. They need us to be someone who they can Mm -hmm. go to for solid, steady support and guidance.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. Do you have any good examples of this? Like, I'm assuming that a lot of these truths that you unearthed came from your own personal experience. Oh, yeah. Do you have any stories?
1: (laughs) Okay. Let me think of an example. So my younger daughter who's 14 gets really worked up and anxious about school. She's kind of a perfectionist and grades are really important to her and I'm kind of laid back about it. I'm like you do the best you can. If you don't get a good grade in this class, like what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> like I'm very much the opposite. Um not that I don't want her to yeah. try and do her best, but I think she takes it to the extreme, right? So she'll come to me and she'll be freaking out about something. Now, I tell myself when that happens, okay, nothing's gone wrong here. This is how she is. You know, there's nothing wrong with her. I don't need to do anything here to like make her feel better. All I need to do is validate what she's going through. I need to be here as a calm presence to be like, I know you're anxious. Let's talk about it. And I walk her through like, what does that feel like in your body? This anxiety. I think at one point she came up with a name for it, right? To kind of externalize the anxiety a little bit. So it wasn't like something about her. Kind of like that movie, Inside Out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Do you remember that movie? Of course. I love that movie. So, right. So it's just like, no, this is just what your brain does when you have a test coming up or when you're know you worried about an assignment. And I talk with her about what's the worst that can happen. Okay, now what's the best that can happen? And always, always, she comes back from school the next day and everything's fine and I got a great grade and she's coming to realize on her own, which is the best, Mm. right, that you know what? I notice that I work myself up and I get all worked up about something and I get really stressed out. And then it's never as bad as I think it's going to be. Huh. That's so interesting.
0: That's so cool.
1: I wouldn't be able to do that though. If I was freaking out and like upset at her for being anxious or also feeling anxious about it, like that would not help her in any way.
0: Yeah. So how do you stay calm? Because I'm sure you're super practiced at this point. But how do you stay super calm? Because I know for some of the audience, some of us listening, it's like our knee jerk is to like go there with them, right? And we get more anxious and we feel like we have to fix it. And we're like, oh no. And it feels like a disaster. So how do you stay calm or how would you coach us to stay calm?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you used the word, you know, I'm practiced at this because it is a practice. And I started mm-hmm. just like my, all my clients start out, which was, is being totally unaware of what I'm thinking and believing when these things occur. So the first step is to start paying attention to what are you thinking when something happens like this? What are the beliefs that are coming up? And sometimes it's helpful to have an outside perspective, a coach in particular to help you separate out what are the facts? And what's your story or what are your thoughts? Because sometimes we don't even realize, like yesterday I was coaching somebody and she just kept saying, this is a big deal. And I was like, that's a thought you're choosing to think. How do you feel when you think this is a big deal? And she was like, I feel overwhelmed. I feel pressured. And I was like, what if it's not a big deal? So we don't even, we're not even aware sometimes of what we're telling ourselves that are just made up in our head. So- That's the first step is separating out what are the facts, what's the story, and then this is where the practice comes in. So you'll do that after the fact, right? So you'll have a big blowout Mm -hmm. with your kids, and then you'll go back to reflect on it. Okay, what happened? What was I thinking? Okay, that made me really frustrated, and so I yelled. Okay is there another way, then you have to ask yourself, is there another way I could have thought about this? What else could Mm. be true in this situation? Or how else could I think about this situation? Then you can see, oh, maybe one of my favorite thoughts is my child isn't being a problem, they're having a problem. Mm. So that automatically puts me into a more compassionate place and curious of like, oh, they're having a problem. I wonder what it is. How can I help? Versus there being a problem, and so this is annoying or an inconvenience or something. So then you can start to see, okay, there are other ways to see this situation, and how would I feel if I was thinking that, and then what would I do? So that's the first Mm -hmm. step of the process. Then you get to the point where you're about to yell, You're about to lose it and you recognize, oh, this is what I'm thinking. And you interrupt yourself. You catch yourself and you interrupt it and you think something different and the whole situation then shifts. Then, after, and so then after doing that for a while and sort of catching yourself, and you'll have days where things are going better than other days and you'll, it's two steps forward, one step back, all of that. But then eventually, You get to the point where you just have a new way of thinking about things. It's less dramatic. You take things less personally and you start to assume the best in your kids
0: instead of always assuming the worst. And how freeing that is too. Yeah. Like you're on the same team as your kids. So what might've been some of your old thoughts with that situation with your daughter? Like she comes home, she's freaking out about this test Like Mm -hmm. what might have been your original thoughts like way back Mm -hmm. in the day?
1: Yeah. So it would have been, she's so dramatic or she's so emotional. She shouldn't react this way. I need to fix this. I need to help her not be anxious. I might have thought it was my fault that she was that way. I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that... I could have been thinking or that my clients tend to think
0: when things like this come up. I think that's such a big one. Like We see our kids as a reflection of who we are and we (laughs) want to control who they are, how they're behaving because we feel like it's such a reflection on us. And all those thoughts that you thought and including the one that I just mentioned, it just makes us feel anxious. And then how do we show up when we're anxious or we're stressed or we're overwhelmed, then we freak out and then it adds more (laughs) drama and more you know, becomes more of a problem. So it kind of leads us into the next truth that we wanted to talk about, which was feelings don't need to be fixed. They need to be felt. Is that right? Did I get it right? You got it right. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that one. Like I mentioned before, validating your kids'
1: emotions is not talked about enough, I don't think. I think it's one of the Mm. most important things we can do for our kids is to just validate their feelings. And we don't necessarily want to validate their thoughts or their behavior, Mm. but just Mm, validating mm. that their feelings are valid. So if your kid is angry and they hit their sibling, we can validate the feeling of being angry and still have a consequence for the hitting. Totally. People sometimes get those mixed up. They think, oh, if I'm validating, that means I'm agreeing with them or I'm... Somehow saying it's okay that they hit. That's not what we're saying at all. It's just Mm -hmm. their feeling is valid. And so then you can have a conversation ideally at a calm moment later on Mm -hmm. after the fact, where you talk with your child about what else could you have done in that situation? Or even asking them, how else can you think about this situation? We don't want to coach our kids, but just being able to help them maybe with perspective taking and seeing things in different ways. And then also talking to them about how they can handle their emotions differently and more effectively.
0: Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's exactly the same work. I mean, there's so many parallels here. It's so fun, right? Like going back to the first truth that we talked about, like weight loss is supposed to be hard some of the time, but like, it's already hard. Like your current reality, same with parenting. If you're always fighting or you're always stressed about your kids or your parenting yeah you know maybe it's supposed to be hard and then in the acceptance of it being hard it becomes easier and same with weight loss like maybe weight loss is supposed to be hard or it's supposed to be hard to say no thank you and then when it comes to feelings don't need to be fixed and i call it like looking back with love like after the fact like yeah we don't want to talk to our children about like the hard moment in the moment because their nervous systems are triggered. And like, you know, maybe we do eat the cupcake after we said we weren't going to eat the cupcake. Like after we calm down, can we go back and be like, yeah, it's okay to be frustrated. It's not okay to hit your sister. Like, yeah, it's okay to be stressed. It's not okay to eat ice cream if you want to lose weight and that's not working for you. Right. I think it's so cool to like separate The feelings and the emotions, and what can I do differently? Like, if I'm feeling stressed, what can I do instead of eat the ice cream? If I'm feeling frustrated, what can I do instead of hit my sister?
1: Yeah. And also just allowing yourself to feel the stress versus reaching for the ice cream, just sitting with the feeling in your body of where am I feeling this stress? And describing yeah. it in detail. And I mean, I've, d- I've done all that because I used to be a
0: big time stress eater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like what you're kind of saying, and I think we can teach our kids this too, is like, maybe we don't need to do anything differently. Maybe we just need to sit there and name our emotions and feel like, right. Like the now feeling work. I teach my clients the mm-hmm. now feeling work. Like the N is the naming it. The O is okaying it. Like it's okay that I'm frustrated or stressed. And then the W is witnessing it. I love these parallels because if we're doing this work within our parenting and with our kids, it actually makes it easier to do it with food and with our weight and vice versa because you're practicing it in all Mm -hmm. areas of your life. It just gets easier faster.
1: Yeah. And you're building a relationship with yourself where you can trust yourself to have your own back in both scenarios, right with the like being on your food plan or you know eating the way you want to, and then also showing up with your kids
0: in the way that you want to, yes, totally, I love that. I think that's like one of the best byproducts of getting coach is like the confidence that you build because of your ability to feel because then we're not afraid or we're not over controlling because we know that we can handle any emotion. One thing I actually want to bring up is I know that at the beginning of my parenting journey, I had a knee-jerk reaction to offer my kids a snack or a treat when Mm -hmm. they were upset, which I think is really interesting. I don't do it anymore most of the time, but I think that's another really cool parallel. Like Mm -hmm. In our parenting, can we stop offering comfort or relief with food? Can we do that through a hug or a cuddle or anything else that you would recommend? I wonder if you could just speak to that because what we're essentially doing is teaching our kids that feelings do need to be fixed and the way that we fix them is through food. And then for a lot of us that can create health problems and weight problems. So I don't know if you can speak to that at all, but I know it used to be, I caught myself when my daughter was very young offering her like goldfish when she was crying at the playground. Mm, I was like, oh, whoopsies, (laughs) got to work on that. Yeah.
1: I love what you said about, you know, offering a hug, just being there with them. And Mm. also I think offering food also sends the message that our happiness comes from outside of ourselves, right? Versus it coming from within and so we don't want to, s- that's another message that I think gets sent is like, okay, not just with food,
0: right? It's like, I'll buy you mm. this toy or, or let's get on the screen. Let's watch a, Let's watch a Netflix show. Right. And so our happiness is
1: coming from outside of ourselves. And that's a recipe for disaster.
0: That is so good. I love it. It's so insightful. Okay. So this is huge. You guys, I was like losing my mind when she was telling me this truth you define what it means to be a good mom. Ah, it's so freaking good. I'm about to pull all of my clients on what does it mean to be a good mom? And what does culture tell you it means to be a good mom? So tell us a little bit about this chapter and about this truth slash the original lie. Yeah. So I think that
1: when most of my clients come to me, that's what they want. They want to be a good mom. They want to be a better mom. And so when I was asking them, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a good mom? They would tell me things like, this is in my book and this comes straight from my clients' mouths because I kept notes. A good mom keeps a tidy (laughs) home. A good mom Mm. never yells. Her kids Mm. listen to her. They get ready on time without reminders. They clean up after themselves. They go to her with their problems. Her kids are happy. She always does what's in the best interests of the kids. Her partner tells her she's doing a good job and shows appreciation. Extended family agrees with her choices. And I was like, okay, then I am the farthest thing from a good mom according to these standards. <laughs> and a lot of these things have to do with other people. They have to do with the kids and how they're behaving and how they feel, which.
0: Yeah, has go- nothing good to luck. Do.
1: <laughs> yeah. You have no control over that what may, what it means to be a yeah. good mom is first and foremost what's in your control and how you are showing up as a mom. You can have you can be the best parent in the world and your kids may not grow mm. up to be the vision that you have for them or one example that I that I give is you can teach your kids table manners and they go out to the restaurant and they still throw their food on the floor. Like
0: it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Oh yeah. My mom's like, I want to get a t-shirt that says my mom taught me my manners because she, she does not think <laughs> I'm like the shining example of like being super polite, which by the way, I think I am polite and I do use my manners, but my mom like, I just want you to wear a t-shirt so that people know I, I taught you. I at least taught you. Right. It's because just funny, it's just a funny little anecdote of like, yeah, we want to control
1: Yeah. And so being a good mom is not dependent on what your kids do or how they behave or how they feel, how they feel about you, even, right? Being a good Mm. mom. And so you get to decide what that means and different people have different ideas, which is totally fine. So what I help my clients do is to create their own mom identity. Where they are deciding this is who I want to be. And it's it may not look like what my mom did. It may doesn't look like what the neighbors are doing or Mm -hmm. anybody else, but this is what I choose for myself. This is how I know I'm showing up as the best version of me every day. So I went through that process myself, you know, and I came up with what it means to me. And there's only four things. That I came up with. Mm. It's things like at, at a younger age, taking care of them in terms of safety and protecting them and caring for them. But as they get older, I can't always be there to protect them. I can't always be there to care for them. So then it's preparing them. So I wanna know that I've prepared them to the best of my ability. There's not gonna be, I can't prepare them for every situation in the world, but I wanna be able to prepare them for life's ups and downs and the responsibilities and have potentially uncomfortable conversations with them about things that might happen. So that's all part of what I see as my role. The third thing is just to love them unconditionally and hopefully communicate that to them in a way that they feel loved unconditionally. But again, that's out of my control. I can only do what I can do to Mm -hmm. try to express that to them and show them that I love them. And then the fourth thing that I came up with is that I love me mm. and I take care of me because mm. if I'm not doing that, then I am not going to be my best version of me for myself or them. And I think, mm. you know, if I go to bed at the end of the night and there's dishes in the sink and there's laundry on the floor, but I know that I've done those other four things then I can feel good about myself as a mom.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that's just me that definition.
1: And yeah. and everyone's going to have so a different good. one. And that's totally great. But I, you know, I like to help people get go
0: through that process for themselves and decide how they want to define it. Oh, okay, you guys. So for those of you that are yummy, Mummy masters, Pam is coming to teach inside the master. So will you take them through that exercise? <laughs> huh. Oh, yeah, sure. I love that they will die and go to heaven <gasps> because that comes up so much inside our group, right? Like, So many of my mamas want to eat at the end of the day because Mm -hmm. they seek relief from really their brains Mm -hmm. that are judging themselves all day because one kid had a temper tantrum and one kid said, I hate you. And one kid said, you know, whatever. And there's just so much blame and judgment that we then turn to the ice cream or the chips or whatever. Mm -hmm. To soothe, but Mm -hmm. and that's why I, you know, I love the work that we both do because so much of it is root work. And so we can't really lose weight for the last time unless we uncover like the reasons why we're eating the thoughts that are causing the stress or the need for comfort or whatever. We can't really lose weight or do the thing unless we're really finding the root cause. And I think so many of my mamas are eating because they're they're feeling like they're not a good mom and it's just a total freaking lie it's just the this kind of cultural guilt that we take in accidentally right it's not our fault it's like the air that we breathe we get the socialization as to what a good mom is and then we're constantly trying to live up to that bar and it's just it's impossible it's a standard yeah. that we'll never be able to meet
1: yeah and then the other thing as you're talking You know, I'm thinking about how when you tell yourself repeatedly that you're a bad mom, your brain Mm. will look for all the evidence to prove that true. And so Mm. you're constantly going throughout your day
0: and finding more and more evidence, right? That, that, oh, see, I'm a bad mom. See, I didn't volunteer at this thing. Oh, see, whoops, I didn't pack her extra snack or whatever. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, mm.
1: that's normal. Our brains are wired to, you know, look for the and things. But that's another thing I always stress with the people that I work with is let's start every session with what went well. What, even if it's mm. the tiniest thing, you know, let's talk about what are your wins? What can we celebrate about you this week? Because when you notice those things, then you can start to build evidence that, oh, you know what? Maybe I am a good mom. Mm. And we don't even have to call it good I'm a loving mom, I'm a present mom, I'm a involved mom, like there's so mm-hmm. many so many ways to describe like what does that mean good, and sometimes we're not,
0: and that's okay too, right? We're human moms. I love that, yes, yeah, like sometimes we forgot to love ourselves unconditionally, <laughs> yeah, and it's okay, and it's like we can have grace for that too, okay, so yeah. you're for. Definitions was to protect and care for them and then Mm -hmm. to prepare them to Mm -hmm. love yourself unconditionally, to love them unconditionally. That's it. I like how it's simple too. Yeah. Because I can imagine some of my clients wanting to create this like list of 25 things. I know. I know. I think it's so smart to keep it short and sweet because it's doable then. And then what you do is exactly what you're saying is you start to build the evidence or the case. We do that in the Yummy Mummy too. We start every call off with celebrating as a way to train our brains to be biased towards the positive and instead of biased towards the negative. That's how yeah. our brains come out of the box, biased to the negative. So you kind of already touched on this and it leads us into the next truth that I wanted to talk about, which is self-care isn't selfish. That, that's what I, I always say. I say like the first act of selflessness is selfishness, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's so cliche, but it's like, can't pour from an empty cup. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so the full title of the chapter is Self-Care Isn't Selfish and People-Pleasing Is. Mm. Yeah, and I think think that people have heard enough times it's not Mm -hmm. selfish to take care of yourself because if you're not feeling great about yourself and you're not well-rested and have nutrition and exercise and all that stuff, you Mm -hmm. can't be at your best for anybody else. And even though I think that message is sort of s- sinking in for people, I still get lots of clients who feel selfish taking any time for themselves away from their kids.
0: And and yeah, I think we get it intell- intellectually, but I, I think, think this right. is one of those truths that we have to like drill into our brains. Like we have to shove it down our clients. Right. Like I'm still learning this and like, I'm one of the most selfish quote unquote, or one of the people that I know in my circle of friends that takes the most time for self-care. And I still have that fake false cultural guilt on me that Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself isn't mine. Yeah.
1: Well, the other thing is like, I, the way I define self-care isn't, it doesn't necessarily have to take a lot of time. You know, it doesn't have to take time away from the family. I mean, just the way you talk to yourself and the way you think about yourself is can be self-care the way that you mm. treat yourself and talk to yourself and value yourself is self-care mm. also setting boundaries so, but- and saying no when you don't want to do something and not overcommitting to things like those are all ways that you can practice self-care so it doesn't have mm. to be you know oh i'm going on a girls trip for a
0: weekend or Getting a massage or having a bubble bath. Yeah, those can be, but I love what you're saying because I think also our our culture is like, you have to work out for an hour and you have to meditate (laughs) and you have to do your breath work and you have to do your journaling and it has to be perfect and quiet. And it's like, no, it literally can be the sentences inside your brain, the way that you choose to talk to yourself. I love that. That's so great.
1: Or like what you just said about the meditation, it's like, no an act of self-care would be taking three deep breaths before you
0: react to your child. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's that's (laughs) self-care. And I love what you were saying at the beginning too, because I think a lot of us do need to hear this message over and over again. And we do need the carrot. We need the carrot of like, look, you have to take care of yourself first. If you want to take care of your family to the best of your ability or you want to do your job to the best of your ability or whatever. And what's so interesting, I'm bringing up Glennon Doyle again and Dr. Becky Kennedy, they were just talking about on one of their podcasts about, isn't it so interesting that we have to justify our Mm -hmm. self care by saying, Oh, you know, I deserve a nap because if I take a nap, then I'll be able to get through the dinner routine and the bath time routine and the bedtime routine. And, I actually do think it's necessary that we have the carrot, especially if we've been so heavily conditioned to feel like we don't deserve it. I feel like it's our doorway in, like do it for your family. And then eventually you won't have to justify it down the road. But I think it's helpful to have the carrot, right? Because to just be like, well, I just deserve it because I exist. And because I breathe, a lot of us aren't going to be able to get ourselves Mm. there yeah. Although I think that should be the goal, like to be able right. to take a nap without earning it, to get a massage mm-hmm. without deserving it, to what meditate or take deep three D breaths just for ourselves, not for anybody else. I think that's like kind of an act of rebellion in our society, and that can be the standard we're going for. But if you need a carrot, you know, if you want to use your kids or your partner or your job as a way in, so you can kind of get comfortable taking care of yourself. I think that's like totally Mm -hmm. fine because Mm -hmm. I think we need little baby steps.
1: Yeah. I also think it's hard for moms to engage in self-care because they feel like their child or their spouse or whoever might be upset with them. And so, Mm. you know, it's like, Oh, I can't leave my kid to go do an errand or, or take care of myself or whatever, because they hate it when I leave or they're, they're going to be so upset that I left. It's like, this comes back to the idea about life being hard sometimes and feeling and having this negative feeling. Like, it's okay that your kid is upset that you leave because you're mm-hmm. going to come back. Okay. <laughs> and that teaches them yeah. that m- mommy comes back and it's okay. And I can have these negative feelings and survive. So yeah, yeah as hard as it is, like you gotta, you just got to do it and they'll be okay. And it's a model for them on how to take care of themselves,
0: you know? And, and Oh, 100%. Right. I always say like, let's lose weight for the last time and become free from food forever for our kids. So we don't pass down this diet drama. But mm-hmm. a part of doing that work is being able to put yourself at the top of the list and being able to like a lot of what we practice inside the Yummy Mummy experience is self-care. And it's, An even better legacy to give to our kids, which is like, do you really want your kids growing up as a victim or one of these martyrdom moms? Like, no, you want your kids growing up, especially your daughters growing up, being the opposite, feeling like they can take care of themselves, not feeling a victim, too. So I think, yeah, it's a huge it's a huge responsibility, actually. And Mm -hmm. not only it's our responsibility, but I also feel like it's our freaking birthright. Um, anyways, I could go on a whole tangent about this. So tell us a little (laughs) bit about the people pleasing part of the title. People pleasing is selfish. Talk a little bit about that. So people pleasing is actually one of the most selfish things that you can do because it's
1: all about satisfying your own ego. A lot of people think, but I'm pleasing other people and I'm doing things because I'm being kind, but it's not really kind. It's not coming from a place of kindness and love. It's people pleasing is driven by insecurity and a mm-hmm. fear of rejection or a need for approval from other people so that we can feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So when we are people pleasing other, and so there's a difference. You can feel the difference in yourself when you are doing something yeah. out of a place of kindness and love versus, I really don't want to do this, but I don't, but I want this person to like me or I don't want this person to be upset mm-hmm. with me. And so I'm going to say yes, when I mean no, and then I'm going to feel super resentful (laughs) and blame them (laughs) when in fact it was my own doing. So that's why Mm -hmm. I say people pleasing is selfish.
0: Yeah. And it's a lie. It's a lie. Like I I think Brooke Castillo, Mm -hmm. our coach Mm says it all the time, but it is one of the the biggest lies that you can tell because it's totally inauthentic. You totally don't want to do it deep down. Right. And it's just like you're saying your body can feel it and goes back to what you were saying before. It's like, we have to build the muscle and the strength of being willing to disappoint other people. Like, yeah, some people aren't going to like it. Like, yeah, your husband, your partner, your kids, the freaking PTO, they might not like it. And, Mm -hmm. oh, well, it's really cool to say no and then actually have someone be disappointed and then (laughs) watch yourself have your own back and notice that you don't die. Right. (laughs) And everything is still totally fine. It's such a confidence booster. I love it. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So, Pam, tell us one actionable takeaway that we can start to implement because I know you're a big believer and getting into action. And while we're all going to go buy your book, we also want to put down all the parenting books and start doing instead of continuing to consume. So tell us,
1: Yes. Um I mentioned to Laura before before we hit record that in the book I have a section called Put Down the Parenting Book. For huh. exactly that reason, right? It's like I know I've read stacks and stacks of parenting books myself and sometimes it's just more overwhelming and you find conflicting ideas
0: about what to do and it just sometimes they make you feel worse after you read them. So, it's like dieting. It's like dieting. It's- <laughs> I mean, like everyone's tried Weight Watchers. Everyone's tried Mm -hmm. keto. Everyone's read every goddamn I mean, at least I had. It's the same thing and it just becomes confusing. And then you just end up eating more, right? It just gets, it actually just gets worse.
1: Yeah. So you just stick with one thing, preferably my book, read it and then put it down (laughs) and put stuff into practice. Okay. So the one thing that I will give your listeners, it's just based on what we talked about today. Is the idea of validating your kids' emotions. So, what Mm -hmm. one thing that they can do over the next week and over their lifetime, (laughs) but pay attention to (laughs) this week is validating your kids' emotions. And what that sounds like is just reflecting back to them what it is that they're feeling, regardless of what, how they're behaving, all their behavior. Is being driven by their feelings, by their emotions. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of like reflecting yourself and maybe detective work to say, okay, he's hitting his sister. Okay, we know that's anger, but like, is there something underneath the anger even? Maybe he's feeling Mm. left out. Maybe he's feeling hurt. Mm by something that the sister said, or, you know, we want to kind of go a little bit deeper into like what's underneath the anger or what's underneath the sadness and reflect that back to our child and agree. Like, yes, you feel hurt that your sister said that thing to you. I can see why you would feel mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You don't have to say anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just that one little, like, I see you, I see you yeah, and I, I see understand. your pain and I understand. And then it's like, Mm. you'll see in your child like this Mm. relief, you know, oh my gosh, mom gets it. She understands me. Mm. And I feel safer with her now. And I can just be here with her and you don't have to fix anything. You don't have to try to make Mm. them feel better. Just sit with their Mm -hmm. negative
0: emotions and watch what happens. I just love that because as a little carrot, like think about like, you when somebody validates your feelings or somebody is like, oh, I've totally felt that before. That's the worst. I know my shoulders drop immediately. The relief is profound. And ah. what a gift to be able to give that to our kids because it's kind of like all we really want as humans. We just want to be seen, right? Right. If they're afraid of something, like
1: how many times do we say, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of or don't worry about
0: it. And it's like, Mm-hmm. they don't get it. I want, yeah. I want them to say like, yeah, you're afraid. Yeah. I know. I, I know my tendency is like, Oh, I can make this a teachable moment. <laughs> right. And it's yeah. like, all right, just slow down and just slow down." just validate yeah. her feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pam, tell us how we can find you, how we can get your book. Give us all the, the deets. Okay. So
1: I'm at less and that's the name of my podcast, less drama, more mama. You can find my book on Amazon. Uh, There's also a link on my website for you to get it there. And yeah, that's all
0: the things. Less Drama Mama on Instagram. Less Drama Mama on Instagram. Okay, we'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. I could talk about this all day long. It's so, so good. I'm going to start practicing that this week. All right, listeners, I hope you guys all have the best week ever. Make sure you are on the wait list for the next cohort. We're going to open doors end of March, beginning of April, and we are going to start in April. We're going to lose weight for the last time. So go to lauraconley.com, click work with me, and make sure your booty is on that list. There's bonuses for the babes that are on the wait list, the interest list, whatever you want to call it. And pretty pleased with a cherry on top, go leave a review. This helps other moms be free and that is the intention of this podcast so please 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 leave a review a rating and then share it with a friend so I hope you guys really have truly the best week ever I will talk to you next week and thanks again Pam what a freaking treat having you on thank you so much hey if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast I would love it love it if you leave a rate review and a subscribe on whatever you're listening to this podcast in pretty, pretty pleased with the cherry on top, it would help me so much. And it would help all the other mamas out there hear this message. Thank you in advance. I really appreciate it. And you have to come check out the Yummy Mummy experience. It's my proven lose weight for the last time group coaching and course head to lauraconley.com and just click work with me. Other than that, you guys, I would love to give you a free gift. If you want your free listener-only gift, go to larconley.com forward slash gift. And from there, you will get your free best ever weight loss hat. So cool. The last thing I want to tell you, you guys, is I do have a free Facebook group. It's called, you guessed it, the Yummy Mummy. Lose weight for the last time and body drama, and get food freedom. You can just search that on Facebook, or again, you can head to the show notes and you'll find the link there. All right, you guys, have the best day ever.